Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cricket commentator Frankie Mackay joins us on the programme. Frankie, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Good. How's the weather in Christchurch? Uh, nicer than it is in Auckland, yeah. uh, I must say. No. So, yeah, we, we had a little smattering of rain at the cricket last night, but absolutely nothing compared to what the poor folk in Auckland are dealing with at the moment. Yeah, boy, it's bizarre up here. You'd think with so many volcanic peaks and such an undulating city that we wouldn't get a lot of flooding, but that's not the case at all. Uh, now, look, Super Smash yesterday, Canterbury Magicians beating the Central Hines, 25 runs. Duckworth Lewis system came in. Was the Duckworth Lewis system, you felt that was a fair result based on what you yeah. were watching and the direction in which the game was going? Yeah, the Canterbury side, they were, they'd were they got themselves a long way ahead. So, yeah, the, the Duckworth Lewis turn, it's not always perfect in the in the T20 format, and I think it's probably not always perfect for women's cricket either, the formula they use. But uh, in this case, you know, it was spot on. The Canterbury side, they, they were well ahead. They were they were cruising to victory when the rain came in. So a fair result, Ned. Mm-hmm. And, boy, it's always Canterbury. Canterbury just seem to win everything. <laughs> the Canterbury Kings on the men's side, they defeated the Central Stags by 58 runs, a little bit of a demolition any time you win by 58 runs. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was maybe a surprise to, to a lot of people that was a top-of-the-table clash and, and to have the Central side who've been trucking along really well come down to Canterbury and and just as you say get absolutely demolished it was it was one for the books and I think mm. you know sometimes you have that in T20 cricket and one team gets away to a flyer which the Canterbury side mm. did with Chad Bowes he was just he was on a, a different level to, compared to everyone else last night and you know there's a lot of debate around what was a good score what was a pass score I think any time you can put out 190 it's a, it's a phenomenal effort Leo Carter had a little 70 not out, and that's often the headline if you get someone who, who plays like that, but compared to Chad Bowes, he definitely played second fiddle, and then, you know, Canterbury Bowlers were just outstanding once again, led by the youngsters, Zach Folks at 20, and, and Willow Rourke at 21, I think the future's mm. pretty bright, and they're doing an excellent job, so yeah, it was a, a very comprehensive mm. win for that Canterbury side. Yeah, I just want to talk about the women's side of the T20 game, just looking at the Canterbury Magicians, is it fast bowling that's most effective at T20 cricket or is it the slower bowlers that seem to tie batters up at one end or both ends? Well, it was often thought, especially when T20 first came to the fore, that actually it was going to be the death of spinners, it was going to be the death of slow bowlers, that batters would just line them up and put them into the stands at will. But it hasn't yet proved the case over the last 10 or 15 years, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's, it's definitely spin that comes to the fore. You may see, you know, in some teams that... that the seamers do pick up a few wickets, but often it is the spinners who are used to control the game and have the best results. You know, you think of your, your Neely Kerr's, your Lee Kasperics, they, they have just dominated the short form for a long time. Now you've got your Fran Jonas, your Eden Carson coming through. I mean, Amy Satterthwaite, bowling-wise, has, has dominated for a long time. So, yeah, if you've got quality spinners on your side, they are like absolute gold in the shortest format. Mm-hmm. OK, let's move on to the New Zealand under-19 women's side because they've been knocked out... In the World Cup semi-finals by India, losing by eight wickets. But again, semi-finals of another World Cup, 
um, again demonstrating, and I'll get you to confirm this for me, demonstrating that we've got some good depth coming through in women's cricket and that what, we now, what we've seen at the junior levels, there is that pathway and that we've got that succession plan and there are definite steps in place. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because this is the first women's under 19 World Cup ever played. So you're always heading into a little bit of the unknown with that. Of course, on the men's side of things, you've had that that stepping stone for a long to a long time in place. So it was really intriguing to see how how teams went about it, to see the level of commitment that um, nations made towards the under 19 program, how much money, how much time was going to be spent there. So yeah, whenever you turn up, you're always a little bit eye on everyone else as to as to what it looks like. I mean. The England woman who somehow managed to win the semi-final and sneak through the final, they've turned up with 13 support staff. So there's only 15 mm. players and 13 support staff. So you can tell that they've clearly uh, invested, I think, the ICC, they only pay for, for seven of those. So they've gone above and beyond and, and paid for an extra six staff to be there uh, travelling around South Africa with the side. So it is good to see the investment at that level. I think there's some really exciting young players. I, I, and I just think the, the manner in which that that, that team's mm. played has probably been the biggest thing to watch. They've actually just gone out, taken the game on, wanted to dominate, wanted to score big scores, wanted to score them quickly, wanted to run hard between the wickets. Uh, you know, there's been bounces, there's been slowables, there's been skills that for, for probably players of my age, when you think back to being 17 and 18 years old, you know, we didn't know how to reverse sweep and switch hit and bowl knuckleballs and it, it, just a different way that the game is played now. So to see those youngsters with the skills in the back pocket that they've got, yeah, you have to think that the future's bright. Um, and I mean, there's already a couple of players in there that have already played for the senior side, and George Plummer and, and Izzy Gaze. And I thought they were they looked really solid with the bat last night. Unfortunately, it was probably the first time the New Zealand side had been tested. They had a really easy pull to get through, then picked up two really easy matchups in the Super mm. Six stage. So. It was kind of first time they'd been really put under the pump. Unfortunately, you know, batting mm. first gen put 107 mm. on the board in semi-final cricket. You think, yeah, the writing's on the wall a little bit, and and that India side is, I think they are a class above. That's really the team you wanted to try and avoid, and. The only reason New Zealand ended up coming up against them is because India had a little blip along the way, picked up a little loss, and, and that put them into that fourth spot for, for New Zealand to match up in the semi-finals. So a little bit of bad luck, I think, because they've, they've ended up being unbeaten and somehow still playing the best team in the competition at mm. semi-final stage. But lots to like from that side. They'll be really disappointed. They'll be absolutely gutted they didn't go all the way. But... Yeah, we, when you think about the structures we've now got with Super Smash and people playing on TV, there's going to be a North-South series for the woman played at the end of the season this year to help try and bridge the gap between international cricket and domestic cricket. New contracts coming in, these youngsters coming in, you, you have to say the future is, is definitely looking bright for New Zealand women's cricket. Yeah, and well done to Sarah McGlashan too in coaching this side. I want to ask on that, are we starting, as we see the increase in the number of women's players coming through in cricket, are we also seeing more and more women taking up the coaching and, and how are our coaching depth, how's the coaching depth looking on the women's side? Absolutely, I think at times I can be, uh, I'd say, fairly critical of New Zealand cricket and the decisions they make, but you have to tip my hat. I think that the appointment of Sarah McGlashan into her role in women's cricket in, in New Zealand cricket and then taking on this under-19 team as well, I think that's the best appointment they've made in, in a really long time. She's she's an excellent fit for, for that group and that age group. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to see. And it's it's a little bit the same thing if you... We talk about it from a playing point of view and, and getting games on TV. If you can't see it, you can't be it from a, a youngster's point of view. Mm. And, and coaching's no different. If you can see people in those roles and 
see that it's perhaps a career for you, then yeah, you, you're going to have more people who, who want to take it up and they want to get involved. And, and I think you know it's no different to the men's side of the game. There's a lot of females who think deeply about the game, who understand the game really well, who've got the, the communication skills, the man management skills to be exceptionally successful in the coaching roles. We just probably haven't seen it yet purely because there hasn't been the finances to make it a viable career. Often the women's roles have been very part-time, often, especially when you look at former players who have played for a long time, they've been working part-time or, or financially losing out because there hasn't been money in the sport. It's not often then a career that that really stands out, that they want to spend 15 years as a player, not making much money, and then all of a sudden in your mid-30s you want to go into a role that's only part-time again. You know, life does happen. People want to have families and have got mortgages to pay. So historically it probably hasn't looked like a viable career for females, especially female former players. But now that the world is changing. Yeah, and look, and I say this seriously, but, um, you know, women, because of childbirth and stuff, often do need to get their lives in order a little bit maybe quicker than perhaps men do. And that is, again, another challenge, as you just mentioned, wanting to go away, have a family, have kids. So, yeah, um, but but from where, say, we were five years ago to where we are now, um, certainly it's all an upward curve. Oh, hugely. I mean, it sounds a little silly to say, you know, I put my put my old girl hat on, I've been around for for a long time at the yeah. domestic level and the way the game has changed is just, it is almost unrecognisable, even down to the, to the tiny things like the uniforms yeah. and the, the wickets that we get to play on and the grounds that we base there and the training facilities mm. we've got, let alone the add-ins, the support that's based around you. Mm. Uh, the teams now come in under the New Zealand Cricket Players Association, so you're looked after mm. off the field, you get help with career transition, you get help with study, you get help with anything that's happening off the field. To go along with teams who've got bigger coaching staff, you've got more resources to access. Uh, the the game is just completely different. Mm. It's on TV, it's on free to ear, you get, you know, now you even, you walk around and you get some youngsters who recognise you on the street and that was just unheard of, mm. not just 15 years ago, mm. but probably even five years mm. ago. So, the, the way it's changing, the landscape of, of women's sport, and, and not just women's cricket, I think it's a really good time to be a female athlete. I think it's a really good time to be a fan of, of women's sport, especially in New Zealand. You think of Cricket World Cup, Rugby World Cup, Football World Cup coming up. It's it's just, the, the game is changing, it's changing quickly, mm. and it's going to be the people that adapt the quickest who are going to profit from it. I mean, we've just heard the announcement of a women's IPL, if, if that has even a tenth of the impact on, on women's cricket that it has had on men's cricket, you're going to be looking at a different game altogether, even in a year's time. Yeah. Uh, Frank, I want to ask you this, because often, you know, often I, I sort of feel sometimes that um, sports fans like myself, if I don't go along and support women's sport, perhaps I'm labelled and it's got nothing to do whether I like the sport or not. Um, I, I just don't have as much time these days and I tend to pick and choose a little bit carefully. Are we, what are we doing to try and get the two and a half million women in this country engaged? And are we seeing more and more women coming along to watch to watch women's sport? Is it predominantly women that are watching or is it, yeah, I mean, who makes up the audience? Who makes up the crowd? Oh, I think, yeah, it's a really interesting thing because I think for a long time, actually, even for men's sport, it's been trying to attract the female audience to that. And, and it is half the population, so I think it's unrealistic to think for women's sport you're only going to have women coming to watch it and, and probably a mark of when you've made it as a sport is when you have males 
watching it who are males who can yeah. identify the best players that yeah. can sit around and, and have a beer and, and talk about the ins and outs of the game and who, who their favourite players are, who's playing well, who's playing poorly. Um, but yeah, there, there needs to be a way to address how you get youngsters, you know, mums, dads, everyone involved, because you want your sports, probably the biggest thing is to make it as family friendly as possible, yeah. because that just creates the next generation of people. I mean, I can remember as a youngster, my mum and dad taking me along to, to sporting events in Christchurch, and those are the memories that, that really stick with you. They give you that real bond to the sport. It makes yeah. you want to be a white fern, it makes you want to grow up, and heck, for a while there, I was like, yeah, absolutely, I want to be a black fern, like, these guys are cool, and now I see them on TV acting like absolute superstars and being able to bring their personality. And shit, I look in my 30s and I think, oh, maybe I could still be a black fan. Yep. How cool would that be? They look like good fun. So I, I think the more oh. that you can just, uh, you can put it out there, the more you can make it mm. a, a safe space for, for anyone to attend to make it. I think the price point for domestic sport especially is a really important one to make that easily accessible. The more stuff that's on free to air as well, the more youngsters you're going to have who, who can put eyeballs on your sport. And then I don't think from there it matters whether they're young boys, young girls, they're going to be mad keen on the sport if they can see it. And the product's good enough now for women's sport that people, when they do watch it, when they do go along, they have a good time and, and they end up fans for life. So, yeah, I, I think you'll start to see more and more people involved. And that It'll be male and female who are, who are going along. Frankie Mackay, lovely to have you on the program. Thank you for the conversation. Uh, no worries at all. Thanks for having me.